Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you and welcome. This is part two of my interview with Tracy Sexton. If you missed part one, I suggest you go back and catch that episode so that you'll understand kind of the background of where we are coming from. As a reminder, Tracy is from here in Pennsylvania and her information is around her daughter and the uh, just the experiences that they've had within the healthcare system. I found it to be a fascinating story, and I think that you will benefit from hearing it. So here it is, part two of my interview with Tracy Staxton from the Guinness World Record setting patient perspective interview marathon. What do you wish your medical providers understood about you? Um, this was another question I thought was a little bit difficult, but kind of going on the same theme as the other ones. I wish they didn't depend on me so much. Um, one of the things the, the one doctor kept saying, um, is your daughter going through puberty? I was like, well, some of the obvious signs, no, she isn't. Um, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what the signs all are. Um, and so that's where, you know, I went to see another doctor and they said, well, yeah, she is. And I'm like, well, the other doctor is a doctor. Shouldn't they be able to determine that instead of asking me? Um, and so the the frustration of just, you know, I, and this kind of leads into the next thing, um, but just the communication between the doctors. I wish there was more communication. I wish there was an advocate um, that wasn't me <laughs> because I don't have all the answers. Um, I guess Raskini was wonderful because they were able to help me and they had the resources to do so. They were actually able to see the billing. They were actually able to know what the proper billing codes were supposed to be and they were, had the access to it. And so I guess what I wish providers had was something like that where um, someone who had access to everything and kind of pulled it all together. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I there was – um, Bradley Richards was on and he talked about how he was an advocate for his mom mm -hmm. and he really thought that everyone who doesn't have a, a passionate family member or an advocate, they should, there should be one provided, um, yeah. which I think is a great point, but you are saying even beyond that, you know what, as the as the caregiver, as the one that's responsible for this, there are times when I need somebody that has my back because I'm carrying the weight all the time. Am I properly framing that? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's, I know my child best, but I don't know, I don't necessarily know what is best for her. And I don't necessarily know what the best um, route to go is. And I know um, a lot of doctors don't either, um, but... Like I said, just just the the communication. Um, yeah, I I'm I learned very quickly. Um, if if you're not willing to be that for your child, then that you know I, I'd hate to think of the outcome. Sure. Okay. 
Um, so last question for you, and that is one th- what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Communicate better with each other. Um, it's like, uh, where do you want this sent? Oh yeah, please send this file to this doctor. And then you go see that doctor and they have no idea what happened. Um, so a communication system that actually works. Um, one where, you know, when something happens, it gets communicated to everybody involved and everybody involved actually sees it and actually reads it or, you know, actually gets informed from it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about, talk to me about that concept because I mean, we're moving towards electronic medical records, right? Yeah. And are you, uh, are you still seeing that there are problems in getting the offices to communicate between themselves? I would say so, yes. Um, For instance, when I go to see the the doctor of rehabilitation, so that is the doctor who prescribes my daughter's leg brace, Um, they have a physical therapist who sees her on the spot, um, but meanwhile, she sees a physical therapist every single week, um, sees them on a routine basis, but they rely on me to tell them what the physical therapist wants. And sometimes I relay that message and they say, well, why does she want that? I don't know. I'm not her. (laughs) Um, And she will write, she will write letters and they say, oh yeah, that's in the file. And it's like, well, but you tell me what is happening. And I'm like, but I haven't seen the letter. I don't know what the letter says. Um, And so I, in my experience, it seems like there's very little communication. Um, My own when my daughter, my daughter's had two surgeries um, and I'm the one who had to tell Pittsburgh that they happened, even though I disclosed them as people to send her medical records to, um, they had no idea that the surgeries even took place. Um, When I called the school, um, in fact, it was my daughter who informed the school that she was about to have surgery. So the physical therapist from school called me and said, "Um, we're going to need a release before she can do gym class. And at one point, um, I'm trying to remember, I called and, oh, it it was about physical therapy. So she's had physical therapy her whole life since she's been two. But after surgery, she had physical therapy to recover from the surgery. And then after that, I needed her to do her regular physical therapy. And the doctor basically said, well, are you sure she's allowed physical therapy? I said, she's been doing it nonstop. She's seeing the same physical therapist. Um, She has worked with her her whole life. I just need a new script so that way she can continue this therapy. She has worked with the same person this whole time. And the nurse basically said to me, well, I believe you. I trust you. We'll do this, but you better be right. And, And part of me is like, well, why are you trusting me? Um, shouldn't, shouldn't you have a record and file? And I appreciate you need to hear this from an expert, but I'm the only one able to get, make this happen. Um, so they were able to give me that script, but, um, it just seems a little ridiculous to me that I was the one who had to communicate, um, things that had been going on for, you know, nine years now. (laughs) Yeah. And why is it that you are the one that I mean, basically you have to be the repository of all knowledge and you have to be the, uh, an instigator. Would that be a, a initiator? How the, initiator? Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, and how do you, it sounds to me like you're, you're kind of getting overwhelmed by that. Uh, is that accurate or talk to me about that, please. Um, I don't know if overwhelmed is the right word. Um, I feel like I've gotten used to it. Um, okay. So I don't think overwhelmed is the right word. I guess getting a little tired of it. <laughs> um, so um, it's 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 the new normal. It's the day to day frustrations that um, you know I've had ever since her diagnosis. Uh, even even simple things like, for instance, um, when she first left the hospital. Um, they gave me a list of physical therapists in my area. And on that list was a nursing care home. And I looked at them and I said, you realize this is a nursing care home? And they said, yeah, they have a physical therapy in there. I said, I am not taking my two-year-old to a nursing home for physical therapy. Um, I could be wrong, but I doubt they have much experience with two-year-olds. And so... Groville. And I thought, if I have to do this every day for um, for many, many years, I don't want to have to drive over an hour every single time I go. And, um, and then I found out there were lots of local areas. Um, and it was just something I had to find on my own. And um, the... You know, it was actually a coworker of mine who called me because her husband was a physical therapist in the area. And if she hadn't made that phone call, I would have I, I would have just felt like I was all alone. There was no, you know, like Pittsburgh made it sound like there was absolutely no physical, no proper physical therapy um, companies for me, especially for pediatrics. And I know it actually is an issue um, in my small area. A lot of them don't have a lot of experience with pediatrics, um, but I have found a lot better ones than the nursing home. <laughs> I I can't imagine taking a two-year-old, like you said, to a nursing home. Um, although I, I will, just to back up what you're saying, um, I, when I was working for Disability Rights Pennsylvania, my supervisor was very clear in saying it is a nursing facility because (laughs) it it is not very home-like yeah you know um, Uh (laughs) so and and, um i'll just be really open about this the data coming out from the center for medicare and medicaid services about discharge numbers from nursing facilities, even though I realize you're doing it as I'm assuming as an outpatient. Right. Um, yeah. Discharge number f- from nursing facilities are abysmal. There are a lot of people that end up in there. Uh, so for example, I found out and learned that the, I think it's like 85 or 90% of people are admitted to a nursing facility for rehab. Mm-hmm. That's, and then, but the discharge rate is less than 50%. So the, whatever the rehab is that they're supposed to be doing, somehow it's not nearly as effective as, <laughs> as what it should be because, you know, 35 or 40% are going in and they're not ever coming out because 
the rehab isn't getting them where they need to be. So it, it's a it's a sad commentary on nursing facilities. Uh, so so where how are things going with your daughter at this point? So um, at this point, she has had um, she's had two surgeries, and that should hopefully be the end of it. Um, the she had surgery to uh, stunt the growth of her left leg. Um, she's continuing uh, physical therapy on her right leg. Um, as you're saying, the lack of discharge, um, she definitely feels that. You know, um, when I, I feel that as a high school teacher. When I see a kid who, um, you know, has an injury and they get better after two weeks or, you know, six weeks and they say, oh, man, that was the longest six weeks of my life. You know, you just want to look at them and say, you have no idea what it's, what that's like. Um, but uh, so she, you know, she still has her physical therapy. Um, you know, talking about health care, she actually just yesterday went, uh, had a music concert and uh, her leg brace broke. Um, her, so she went to get a new leg brace and again, people not understanding her or communicating, um, she was, get, she's gotten the same leg brace from the same company. Um, she used to get at least two per year and she's down to like one per year. Her growth isn't quite as, um, much as it used to be. And they, um, they just put this, this circle of Velcro on to hold the brace in place. I looked at that. In fact, the orthotist looked at it and said, oh, this isn't what she's no- what she's used to. Usually she has this buckle um, that locks her brace into place. And now she just has this little piece of Velcro. And I said, there is no way that's going to hold. And he said, well, let's just try it on, see how she does. She puts it on, doesn't even take a step yet. And you can hear this ripping of the Velcro. <laughs> And uh, I said, yeah, that's not going to work. So she doesn't actually have the leg brace yet. And uh, so she had a concert yesterday and we were just about to go out the door and her, her old leg brace snaps. Um, Ironically, the same part that the new leg brace just had this little piece of Velcro Well, her buckle completely broke off of the brace. So we are sitting there trying to use paracord to tie her brace onto her leg so she can get to her concert and finish the concert. Well, paracord was not very good <laughs> keeping this brace on. Um, when she came home, her leg, uh, her shoe lift was falling off of her shoe. So we had to re-glue that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, when it rains, it pours. But uh, so um, I get to make a call in to the orthotist and say, Hey, that new leg brace that you were call you were sending in to get reinforced. If I could have that anytime sooner, um, you know, her, her physical therapist says all the time, it's so good. She wears it so good. She wears it. And then when it breaks, there's nothing we can do about it. And it's like, well, if you want her to wear it, I should have access to one for her to wear. Um, so that's also been a bit of a frustration. Um, I think she breaks them a little more than uh, a typical child does. <laughs> um, she she puts a lot of wear and tear onto the item. And it is one of those, another thing, um, it was a physical therapist who said, you know, the orthotist says, don't be so hard on your brace. Don't be so hard on your brace. Make sure you're not doing this. Make sure you're not doing that. 
And her physical therapist from school said, you know, the whole point of the brace is to give her more mobility, to let her activity level increase, not decrease. And so, um, you know, if if the, the brace is breaking based off of what she's doing, it's the fault of the brace, not the fault of her. And I really appreciated that when uh, when when she said that, because, again, that I, I would think is really important that, um, you know, it's it's the brace is meant to help or not her help the brace. Yeah, I, exactly. And I'm assuming that because she is she's growing that her old brace doesn't really work for her. Cause I, here's what I'm thinking about. Okay. I have a wheelchair and I get a replacement wheelchair and it's almost exactly what I had mm-hmm. so that if something happens, I have, a, you know, I've got a backup mm-hmm. uh, and the concept of having a backup leg brace, it just doesn't sound like it happens. Does it? No, no. Because once she outgrows the brace, their custom fit, um, you know, it, it just it doesn't fit anymore. Um, so plus, plus she's, she's, I don't think she has any intact braces. I think we always, every time we go to get a new one, it always just completely breaks before, before the new one comes in. <laughs> Got it. Well, that is, that's frustrating. Um, and I mean, the good news is that it sounds like she gets by on this and, um, survives so yes yes she does so good stuff all right well i am ready for my next guest and uh, i'm about to do that and i will just take a minute and point out to everybody that we are over 15 hours which means I, the guinness world record in order to set it i've got to go more than 30 hours and i think a minute and 44 seconds so we are just over the halfway point to at least setting the record. And um, we're, we're not not quite um, that close to actually going ending up where I want to be. But in the meantime, halfway there. Yay! <laughs> Good luck, Rob. I hope... Yeah. <laughs> um, may God be with you as you uh, set out for another 15 plus hours. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Um, Listen, Tracy, I, I appreciate you joining me and, um, I am hoping, I'm hoping that Ashley joins us here in a minute. And, um, in the meantime, I am, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being open. Thank you for sharing. And I just tell you that I respect you and I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.